Welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. My name is Carrie Wooten, and through this podcast, we're going to be speaking to people from across the media industry to learn about their education, their career paths, and their job roles. We'll discover what has motivated them and led them to undertake a career in the industry and what has kept them working within it. Where we can, we'll show as many links to organisations and individuals who can support and guide you through your journey into the media industry. We really hope you enjoy this series. It is always great to hear from some of the leading broadcasters across the globe. And today we're going to be hearing from someone who works at Sky, a name I'm sure that you are more than familiar with. Emily Bergen is an Associate Technical Specialist at Sky, working in the graphics and data project delivery team, providing AR and VR systems to Sky Studios Osterley. And although AR and VR has been a long developed technology, it's only more recently that it has been embedded within broadcasters. And I can't wait to hear more about this today. Emily studied broadcast systems engineering at Solent University and has been working in the industry for the last four years. I'm really looking forward to chatting to Emily today. Emily, welcome to the Media Careers Podcast. How, how are you? <laughs> I'm so well, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to be here. This is, yeah, very cool that we're doing this. It's very cool. Um, well, look, as, as we've discussed before we chatted, today is all about learning about you, what you were like as a young person, how you got into the industry, what your interests were. So, um, so let's start right at the beginning. What what were you like as a as a young person, maybe at primary school or secondary school? Were you academic? Were you not academic? Did you have hobbies? Like what what kind of yeah, what kind of child were you, do you think? Yeah, no, I definitely I think I had quite an um interesting upbringing. So I was born in England. I lived here until I was 6, but um at the age of 6, me and my family moved to North Cyprus. So that's where my dad's from. And while we were out there, I was kind of put, I didn't speak a word of Turkish, never spoke Turkish in my life and got put into like a very tiny uh, primary school. I was the only person speaking English. Everybody just spoke Turkish. So I've always kind of found like language a bit of a, um, definitely was a bit of a barrier for me when I was kind of quite young. So um, I've kind of had to communicate in other ways. I, I tend to be quite expressive um, the way I talk and present myself. But definitely when I was at, you know, at primary school and that, I found I was like, quite good at maths um, and those kind of subjects because they kind of, they go kind of beyond the language that we speak kind of thing. I was very good at my times tables. <laughs> um, <laughs> and did you, that. and were you aware of that at the time? Were you aware that you're like, oh, actually I'm quite good at this? Or was it just so natural that you didn't really think about it too much? I don't know necessarily. I mean, I think I enjoyed it. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think I was very good at it. I wasn't necessarily always top of my class. Like I did well, mm. but I wasn't, you know, the smartest kid in the room kind of thing, um, particularly because there were so many subjects that I wasn't very good at um, per se when I was uh, very small. But then we moved back here, went to England when I was 13 um, and then I started at an all girls high school and it was kind of then that I kind of got back into my flow and I really, the kind of the education offered here and the facilities and the technology was so mind blowing to me. Yeah, that's that, interesting. Honestly, like I, I was really excited. Like I loved secondary school. I know that's such like not everybody's experience, but mm-hmm. I was just so happy to be here and like those like touch whiteboards, um, the <laughs> teachers, the the size of the classrooms. Oh my gosh, 
so I kind of really threw myself into like a lot of subjects like I got to learn history um which I'd never done before yeah I was just really happy to be back here so yeah so seeing that completely different setup around education just made you feel I suppose it just made you appreciate it more because you'd had that real distinct difference between between the two so were you still enjoying maths at that point were you still thinking maths once you kind of got back to England and kind of I kind of got because there were so many other subjects I kind of threw it out the window for a bit and I was like oh my god I'm gonna become a historian (laughs) all these other opportunities that that you know I didn't really know what kind of subjects you could take really seriously kind of um came a thing to me so yeah no I was really into my drama for a while um my history and I got really into Shakespeare and all that kind of stuff but um I think that's definitely where my kind of love of entertainment started okay for sure so like I wasn't you know I definitely didn't have an idea of um what I really wanted to do or what I could actually do for a career kind of thing I also took um business studies as a GCSE so I was kind of in this like weird little cross-section of like I really like entertaining but I also like learning about business but also I'm still quite good at maths but I'm not (laughs) that good at geography yeah that kind of vibe yeah so you weren't it sounds like you were enjoying lots of things but weren't quite sure where any of that might take you at that point sounds like oh, you 100%. Were, yeah okay okay but that's interesting that you already knew that you liked entertainment and that was of interest to you so what then happened after GCSE so you did your GCSEs mm-hmm. and then did you go on and do A-levels I then for my A-levels I took biology maths and media studies for my A-levels. I was really trying to find a nice balance in between. I still find like true media studies, like analyzing newspapers and that kind of stuff, really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to find this balance in between, you know, uh, something more, slightly more creative as media studies and such and the kind of more science-y, maths-y side of myself. So the, yeah, I, w- I was still quite good at the maths um, and the biology and that kind of thing. So I was like, oh, maybe I can go on and become a biology teacher. But then I realized that I'm actually not that good at explaining things on a big level. Um, <laughs> and I don't like spending that amount of time with children is a choice <laughs> that maybe <laughs> wouldn't have suited me very much. <laughs> so how about your family? Were they kind of helping you like make decisions around your career at that time yeah so it's interesting so I think because having grown up in North Cyprus and my dad is a relatively traditional Turkish man Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of as the oldest child as the oldest daughter I think he really wanted me to either follow in his footsteps or kind of get a job that from where he's from is considered a very good job so it was all sort of you know become a doctor become uh-huh. a lawyer or become an engineer okay. because he was an engineer um and still is to this day he runs his own um, scuba diving center um in north cyprus as well um but he did a lot of engineering leading up to that so it was very the the, the kind of the sciences were very encouraged um in me from my family you know at the same time I was able to to kind of take the media studies and the drama to kind of balance it out a little bit um but yeah no they were definitely very very keen for me to have a tech and science-based uh academic um qualifications for sure yeah and and it sounds to me that as though because you had been to Cyprus and you came back that you were quite academic at school as well it sounds to me you were kind of because you were embracing everything that you yeah, that you were, would you class yourself as quite academic? 
I kind of, yeah, I would say that I was. I mean, by no means am I, you know, an Oxford University applicant. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never been to that level, but it's just the the rigidity of how my education was growing up. There wasn't really um, that many options to to kind of get too hands-on with my learning. Mm-hmm. So I've just been very used to the classroom. I'm very used to reading, very used to not understanding what is going on. Uh, that is a very familiar experience to me when okay. you kind of get put into a country, you don't speak the language. Yeah. I'm very used to being bewildered. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure many of us are. Yeah, but that's that's I think that's quite a good skill set to have actually and being comfort it's being comfortable with the uncomfortable, isn't it? Because you are put, you have been put in that situation that you have just had to embrace the environment that that you were in. And then taking that through your life, I think, is a really good sends you in good stead, I think, for other Absolutely. situations. Okay. Yeah. So you so you did your three A levels and then and then what? I knew that kind of going into university immediately after my A-levels was the the route for me. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily encouraged to kind of take a gap year or anything. It was kind of, you know, keep on the academic side, um, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I went to university aged 18 straight away. So I kind of went into a bit of a slump. And this was around the time, you know, you're going to all these open days and everyone's, you know, talking about what they're going to do. And I was like, oh, my God. And my mum just happened to like Google. She was like, because I was so involved on like the, you know, the school musicals and the drama and that kind of style. She was like, oh, why don't you try and become like a, like a theatre technician, like go work in like the theatre and, you know, do the the sound of the lighting and everything. And I was like, uh-huh. okay. So she found this degree at Solent for like live event technology. And Ooh. I was like, okay, interesting. And then she found one also at Sailing University for broadcast systems engineering. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds interesting because that's that's TV. I'd never really considered that. It's not something I ever would have had the opportunity to, to get involved with um, ever. So I went to the Solent Open Day, kind of looked at both courses and having spoken to my lecturer, who is Polly Hickling, who um, we all know very well. If you're Shout out to Polly. Yes, yeah, yeah, look yeah. at Katie Glynn. She's a fabulous woman who's, yeah, supported lots of young people through their degrees. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was, yeah, and her and her colleagues were literally saying, you know, like, oh, you know, the live event um, technology, the theatre kind of degree. It's all right. But, you know, if you're if you're up for it and you think the broadcast engineering one sounds interesting, definitely look into that. You know, they're, they're really... Uh, looking for people of your age, of your skill set. There is a gap in the industry and ultimately it's going to pay pretty well. You could get a very good job out of this if that's something that you can see yourself doing. Oh, that's really interesting. So they were talking about salaries and where your career was going at that point. And did that influence your decision, do you think? I think through, you know, my family upbringing and beyond, it's always been about the career. That's always what um, education has been for you know for better or for worse that was kind of my experience Mm -hmm. so when they were saying oh if you do this degree you know there'll be this you know a really good job at the end of it very likely if you you know sort yourself out kind of thing that was very appealing and I suppose from a family perspective reassured your family and your parents that actually this was a good solid option for a career and that you'd you would have that pathway definitely I think it was the perfect combination because I kind of, even though I still enjoyed the maths, I really struggled with my maths A-level and I think I got a 
D overall. Okay. Like I really didn't do well at it. And it was kind of that point I was like, okay, maybe I've kind of reached my academic limit here, even okay. though, you know, this is kind of all I've ever known. Maybe it's time to try something a little bit different. So while doing a degree, obviously, you know, it is academic, you have to write a dissertation, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it was more relaxed. It was more hands-on. There was more options. Yeah, I just really feel like the, the path at Solent was that perfect combination for me. So, so what 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 was broadcast systems engineering? What did that actually mean? What what did that yeah, what were you actually doing in that course? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, brilliant question. Um you <laughs> often get so sucked into this life that you, you know, you forget to go back to the beginning. So Well, the because broadcast- they're words, aren't they? There's kind of broadcast oh, in this systems and then engineering. Yeah. It's like and I think for, for those people listening to the podcast, we're trying to break down what some of these words mean. So actually there's mm-hmm. clarity around what this well, what that do, what this specific specific degree is, but then also what that is in terms of a job as well. So yeah, if you could explain to us what, what that involved, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. So the course was designed to put you in a position where you are able to build, engineer, fix, configure all, any and all within reason um, of the systems required to create live broadcast, live TV. Okay. So this ranged from this range from so many things. I did a unit, for example, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, where we had to design an outside broadcast truck from scratch. So an outside broadcast truck is a basically a gallery. So the room in which the director and the producer and the graphics operator, all those people who cut up a TV show live as it is going out, mm-hmm. they sit in a room called the gallery. It's got um, all of these big monitors on the screen. They can see all the cameras at once, they can see all the graphics, and they're choosing which cameras to cut to live on air. That's that's the purpose of the gallery. There's obviously lots of people working in that room. Mm-hmm. So an outside broadcast truck is all of that com- equipment combined into essentially a massive truck that kind of a lot of them unpack. Um, and you go and sit inside on this like tiny little desk and uh, yeah, make TV from this truck. So for example, one of the things I had to do on my course was design all the equipment that would go into that truck. So it's like, okay, right, I'm going to have six cameras that are going to film this football game or whatever. Obviously, this was all in theory. But say you had a six camera football show, um, that would mean you would need inside your truck, you would need six camera control units, which we call CCUs. You would need a graphics machine. You would need something called a sync pulse generator, which keeps all the equipment in time, all this kind of stuff, the cabling you know, I had to number my cables. I had to say exactly how many cables I was going to need for this truck. Um, and there was no budget either in this like theoretical given. Um, <laughs> so the equipment we were putting in these things was just off the charts, like in um, in terms of what we would actually use in industry. But it was such an interesting exercise because I was like, wow, this is this is real stuff. Yeah. This is like, you know, it's somebody's job out there to go and design these broadcast trucks. And I'm able to, you know, sit here and have a go of it in this in this quite nice environment um, and, had, and did you know about all of that kit as you before you'd got to that point where you were doing that brief or oh was that were you learning were you learning as you were doing that brief because already there's a lot of kit in there that you've mentioned that probably nobody would know about and hasn't even thought yeah. about so had as, did you have any knowledge of that before you before you did that and or when you started the course did you have any knowledge of that kit 
was it mm. all just something you were absorbing as you were going along oh my gosh I mean in terms of before I started the degree absolutely not yeah. oh my goodness I could not have known less about about what was required to make tv happen than I did before you know going into this I'd never had any work experience I don't know anybody who works in the industry uh-huh. um, it was all it was all a really foreign experience to me but by the time we did that assignment I think I'd already been there for like a year and a half perhaps okay. um so they were very good at drip feeding you this information and we had a go at everything you know we had a go at post-production I made my own documentary entry um while we were there so we would go out and film stuff and we'd have to edit together um I did a whole unit on networking so learning about IP addresses how to create your own kind of local network which is an essential skill for I would say most jobs at the moment it doesn't matter what kind of industry you're going into or what you're thinking about if you can get your head around like an IP address <laughs> yeah. and how that that's that, like just general basic networking skills it Ooh. will send you so far um, yeah honestly but yeah no the course in general it just it just covered everything I did a lot of audio stuff as well so then so you finish your degree finish at silent and then what happens how do you start to even vaguely make the transition to industry Like we know that the media industry is no- notoriously tough to get into so how mm-hmm. did you start to make that transition to go okay so how do I make that step? And then also, I suppose, just as you said, you you covered so much within that course at Salent and touched on so many different areas. How did you then decide which area to focus on as well? Because it sounds as though you did everything from designing trucks to post-production to filming. So that's, that's a breadth of, breadth of roles there. So yeah, how did you pinpoint, okay, this is the move that I'd like to make? Yeah, no, that's really a good question. I, for me, and I thought, you know, I think it was quite a good way to go about it. It was less of like, oh, this is what I would like to do. Um, for example, I had this one teacher who she always used to say, she was like, everybody comes into this course and they want to become a camera operator. You don't want to become a camera operator. There are so many other things, other jobs out there that you don't even know about that are better than a camera operator. <laughs> not That's not necessarily my own opinion. I think being a camera operator is great. Obviously, if that's a career choice for somebody, go for it. Yeah. But it did really, really encourage me to broaden my horizons to other opportunities that you don't necessarily see and hear about all the time because we all know what a camera operator is. Everybody sees those quite a lot. So it was kind of a combination of that plus really having to think about what it was I didn't want to do. Okay, so that's interesting. Example, yeah, this course, it was very, a lot of the work experience opportunities were going on outside broadcasts. So by going on an outside broadcast, I mean going out, using one of those outside broadcast trucks I mentioned, setting up um, filming for something. For example, I did some work experience on children in need, Um, So we filmed like a choir in a school in Reading. Um, So you turn up, you get everything out, you get the cameras out and you film it and then you pack it all down and put it in the truck. But I really didn't enjoy that side of it, even though it was largely what my degree was. I just hate it. I hated being cold. I hated being (laughs) outside. I don't massively enjoy lifting things. And I was like, oh my God, like, have I just done this degree in like, you know that that was meant to lead me to this outside broadcast career that I actually don't really want like okay so I was was a bit concerned for a minute um but then my lecturer Polly Hickling I went to her in my third year and I was like I don't have a job what do I do I need a job I'm leaving uni really soon 
And she said, I'm coming, uh, I'm going to a few of these networking events. Come with me, meet me there. And I was like, fine, I will, I will come with you to these networking events. And th- this was a lot like these networking events. I'm the biggest advocator on earth for networking events. I am not even kidding. I swear by them. They are the reason that I have the career that I have right now. But and I'm a pretty confident, like outgoing person, but I can't lie, you know, going in there as a tiny little student, not knowing anybody or not knowing how to carry yourself at these events, because it is a skill within itself, I think, corporate networking. Um, it was a little bit daunting going into um, this this event that happened to be held at Sky um, and it was a women in sport event and there was a panel and one of my lecturers was on it during the time on her panel she said oh by the way everybody uh one of my students is here and she's looking for a job Emily raise your hand and it made me raise my hand and wave to a room of about 150 industry professionals oh wow I'm not even kidding and she was like everybody go talk to Emily Emily's looking for a job amazing I was were you mortified oh my god I was like this is the loner who you probably know who I owe my entire career to obviously I did some stuff but like oh my god I am Alona's biggest fan on this earth so I was like oh my god and all these people started coming up to me but they were just so lovely I think the nature of the event because it was a women's uh, in sport networking event everybody was just so kind and open-hearted um and I got chatting to who is now my current manager, Kat Lancaster, about, you know, what kind of I wanted to do in my career. And eventually she was like, you know, we were kind of looking to hire some people, you know, if, if you would like to apply, maybe I'll see you in an interview. Um, and it kind of went from there, really. So after this event at Sky, you applied for the job and you got the job. And then, so what was your first role at Sky then? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my first role at Sky, I got it um, probably about, four months after I graduated uni. It was in the graphics and data support department as a shift engineer, so a broadcast support engineer. So what does that mean? That means in uh, in companies, in pretty much m- most companies, there will always be like technical support. So for example, it's the same as like ASOS customer care. You know, you, you got a problem and you report it and you're like, my item never arrived. And they send you an email back and they're like, oh my gosh, sorry, your item didn't arrive. Here's what we're going to do about it. Here's your refund. So those kind of support roles, those kind of, uh, yeah, those support roles exist in so many different ways across so many different industries. What mine looked like was I was uh, supporting Sky Studios in Austerley in West London so this included Sky News, Sky Sports News, Sky Sports Racing and the sports productions, football, tennis, etc. And any one of those productions that came under our remit, they could have a problem. And if it was anything to do with a graphic problem or a data problem, my team, I would get a phone call about it or an email. So this could be anything from my graphic isn't playing out or I have a graphic and it's meant to have this image on it, but it can't connect to the database where all the images live. So the image isn't appearing, oh my gosh, I need to play out my graphic, my image. Um, Or it could be something like uh, my football table graphic has no data in it. 
I'm not getting any of the scores because a lot of this stuff is very automated. We get in a lot of um, that kind of data, especially a lot of sport data mm-hmm. um, in automatically, and it should just auto-populate those, those kind of tables. Uh-huh. might not be working. So any of those kind of things we would get, I would get a phone call about it. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm coming to take a look. So I'd either turn up to the person, you know, walk down a flight of stairs, um, have a chat with them, you know, oh my gosh, my computer won't turn on um that kind of thing so and were those programs live on air as well a lot of the time it would be so for example like sky news is on air 24 7 that we do like these late shifts and everything so yeah no any issue that would kind of come in you would have to solve it then and there a lot of the times it wasn't too stressful often it would be you know i'm going on air with the boxing in six hours time but I I haven't got the right keyboard to play out the graphics or something like that. So it's obviously it's, it's time pressured to an extent, but I wasn't like melting with stress every single day. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's good. Amazing. And I imagine you learned a huge amount in that first role, just kind of absorbing Sky as a company, because obviously Sky is a huge company, the role that you were doing. Did you have to learn a lot on the job oh my god the amount I learned in that first year was unbelievable you know because it's so specific you know I'm fixing the graphics and data for Sky yeah that's like to get really good at that took a really long time um, and mm. I really didn't know what I was doing for a really long time um but yeah no I, I definitely got there in the end yeah and did you feel at this point that this you'd found your like your home in terms of your career? Absolutely. Like, especially as I was saying earlier, you know, I really didn't want to work on these outside broadcast trucks because I didn't want to be outside and cold and lifting. This was the perfect answer to that because I was able to be in, you you know, a lot of people, they don't think you can do broadcast and work in an office sometimes. Yeah. I love working in an office. Oh my God. The Sky <laughs> Osterley campus, you know, anybody listening gets to go. It's really cool. They've made an effort to make it really fun. It's kind of Google office-esque, you know, beanbag chairs, that kind of vibe. And I really like that. It's really important to me to have that side of um, a more relaxed environment Mm -hmm. when I'm at work. It it makes a massive difference. So having kind of got yourself settled into this role, knowing that obviously Sky is a brilliant place to work, you're feeling comfortable. Then how did you start to think about transitioning into your next role did, did that come naturally? Did you know what you were going to move on to? I really enjoyed my old role and I really enjoyed the constant troubleshooting. I like fixing things. I think that's that's kind of where I thrive. I think that's the math side of my brain is like, you know, got to sort this out. Um, so I, I did really enjoy that side of my job. But I found just for me personally, the constant having to deal with broken things all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Slightly, I was like, I would really like to work towards something and to really have something to show for my work by the end of it. So I was really considering moving into more of a project-based role, um, but I was really happy. I really liked my team. I really liked Sky. And I really, I really felt like I was at the beginning of my journey with the graphics and data side of things at Sky. Mm-hmm. Because even though I did my old job for three years, you know, oh, that's not that long compared to a lot of my my peers and my colleagues, um, especially not a very long career at Sky. You know, people stay there for very long. So I I was I was really torn because I was like, do I leave? Don't I leave? 
you know, and then this opportunity came up and it was in the same department. So I still work with all pretty much all the same colleagues, just just in a slightly different way. Um, and it was in the graphics and data project delivery team. So what that means is my my new role is any project that that has a graphics aspect to it. Um, me and the guys I work with will be brought on to deliver that. So, for example, general elections, when they happened in 2019, the, the team I'm now in were the people running that. So if anybody Googles the Sky News 2019 election and you see the AR coverage that we did for that, mm-hmm. it was really impressive. It won an award, I'm pretty sure, for the general election coverage at the time. But we t- basically took like this entire building and turned it into this like virtual production studio, essentially, with these enormous pictures of like all the politicians hanging from the ceiling and stuff. So it's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that, things like a lot of sports stuff, you know, they use a lot of AR Um, When I say AR, I mean augmented reality graphics, which are VR, which we all know the word of, is virtual reality. So that means creating a fake world, which is why when you stick the headset on, it's a fake world. Mm -hmm. Or for example, using a green screen studio, that's VR because it's a fake world that a real person standing in. Uh When we say AR, it's using the real world and sticking something fake on it. So, for example, um, in a lot of sports coverage, they, you know, they could be talking about a player and then they'll have an image of a player that's kind of stood with his arms folded and they can kind of stand next to that that um, 3D image almost. So that's what I mean when I say AR. Um, yeah, that that kind of those kind of projects um, are what I now currently work on. Amazing. And I imagine kind of that AR VR element is completely different. So if that's a new skill set that you're learning I imagine is it are you enjoying kind of embracing that kind of that other side that kind of new bit of technology in this role and kind of discovering a new a new pathway that's building on the experience that you've had so far yeah absolutely yeah I kind of touched on it in in my support role um so there was there was a green screen studio for example that we had to support so if that's you know the software for that if I needed an update we all did we all worked on that for example. So it was something I'd, I had touched on, but I hadn't really got to set up from scratch or really got into the nitty gritty of it. And it, it always really interests me. And I knew it was a part of the industry that is blowing up. Like this is not going away. Mm-hmm. Um, the the way of using virtual production in, in broadcast is, is massive. Everybody's doing it. So I knew it was up and coming. I knew it was a really good, important and valuable skill set to hone in on. And something that combines so many of my interests. Yeah, amazing. Well, what a great position to be in, uh, and brilliant to hear that you're getting so much from your from your current role. So, what about mm-hmm. the future, Emily? What where do you think you might go next? Do you have you thought that far, or are you just kind of in, embracing where you are at the moment? Yeah, no, I definitely have. I think. I mean, I'm an associate technical specialist at the moment in my role, mm-hmm. so I'm basically just a junior technical specialist just to allow me the time to kind of learn and grow my skills um I'd really like to be promoted to a full technical specialist in the near future Uh, Mm -hmm. beyond that more long term I think I'd really enjoy being a manager um I would love to kind of hone in on my people skills I think I'd be quite good at it and Mm -hmm. combining that with my technical experience um, I don't necessarily know if that, you know, if that is at Sky, it's not at Sky, whatever opportunities are available. I'm I'm really open to it. But yeah, no, definitely looking forward to, to seeing what happens. Amazing. 
So look, I've got a couple more final questions for you. The first mm-hmm. one is, what advice would you give to young people looking to get into the industry or to anyone looking to get into the industry and particularly for this kind of specific kind of technical engineering role, kind of what advice would you give to the people? I say this in every panel interview I do and you've probably heard this so many times. I tell everybody a lot, a lot of the time in media and broadcast and I think the way things used to work, particularly it was a lot of the, it was like, oh, my uncle works for Sky News. Let me get you some work experience doesn't it doesn't work like that as much anymore which I think is for the better so I always say it's not I don't think it's who you know I really don't even think it's what you know because the industry has such a skills shortage everybody's going to have to teach you anything everything for the beginning anyway I always think it's how you carry yourself and your attitude if you are just a keen interested kind easygoing person you will be offered so many opportunities and you will go so far. I have seen this time and time again. I know people that have spouted off every single fact in the book of of a subject that they think that they know. And it just doesn't get them as far as people who are like, oh, I don't know that, but I'd like to know. Do you you mind showing me? Yeah. Or, oh, can I come shadow you? Or tell me about your job. How would I get into that job? Just carrying yourself in a way that you are so generally interested in you know other people's career paths what they're up to and just learning like it it, it's crazy how far it will take you honestly yeah I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I think that's what this podcast is trying to do is to break down some of those old traditional who you know barriers as well by providing direct links to people like yourself working in the industry who are doing these jobs and I think that kindness and interest and passion is definitely something that would as you say would take you a long way and mm. I think the other thing particularly for the bit of the industry that you're working in is that innovation and technology is so rapid at the moment mm. that you you know the baseline you can learn the baseline skills but everything else you'll learn on the job anyway as you said like VR and AR is changing all the time technology is changing all the time so there's a whole amazing group of people across the industry that want to support and guide you and as you said there's a big skills gap in this area so we need and want brilliant new talent coming through anyway so um yeah I 100% agree with you and um, so finally Emily please could you name three things that you love about the media industry and and why you've why you're working in it oh my goodness okay first the people the people that I have met doing these jobs and going to these events and and everything, they are just some incredible people. Um, they're so kind, they're so giving with their time. And like I say, with their with their time, their knowledge and their opportunity. Um, you know, if you come at things from from a certain attitude, you'll be surprised how much you you get out of it. Um, the people are incredible, they're so much fun. I love them. The second thing is I would say the technology, I would say working um, in TV in an industry that is pretty well funded, you do get access to some tech and to to use it in a way that, that not everybody gets to that early on. It's really rewarding in that sense, kind of being quite ahead of the curve and really learning constantly. Everything's changing constantly. You're constantly learning. And three... It's just really cool. <laughs> I can't even lie. Like when I tell you know, if this encourages anybody to get into it, because I know it helped me. Telling people about my job 
they're like oh my god that's cool and I'm it like, is cool Emily <laughs> yeah it kind of is kind of cool I can't lie like you know not don't go into a job just to tell everybody about it but <laughs> if you happen to do the job that you love and other people think it's cool it's pretty nice yeah, you're winning <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well it is cool and I think that's the thing isn't it you, I mean you're I think what's interesting about your journey is that you've managed to find a role that embraces those elements that you really enjoyed when you were a young person and mm-hmm. and, and at school and academically and where your interests were lying and you've managed to kind of find a route into a role and within an organisation that that provides you with the environment that you want to work in and provides you with that cool space as you say the campus in Austerley uh, is mm-hmm. is fantastic and you're in a role that's as you say you're always learning the people are amazing so it's a great role and you're right it's very very cool (laughs) well look uh Emily thank you so much for joining us today on the Media Careers podcast it's so lovely to chat to you and and good luck with your your next roles amazing thank you